Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. And today we have um, some returning guests, actually. Familiar uh, faces. Familiar faces. Uh, the folks here at the South Carolina Military Museum join us again for another podcast. For those who might not have seen you before, mind introducing yourselves? Uh, my name is John Freeman. I'm the Deputy Director and the Creator of Weapons and Technology. My name is Heather McPherson. I'm the Curator of History. And y'all might be wondering why they are back with us. Well... It's really simple. <laughs> I got a cool exhibit coming up. We do. <laughs> we, we hope you think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, VJ. VJ Day, right? That's Victory right. in Japan, right? That's right. Uh, as we were quickly getting explained right before the podcast, that was the end of World War II. The end of World War II. So tell us, um, when's this thing happening? What's uh, what's going on with it? What kind of stuff y'all going to have out? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's changing all the time. I just remembered something this morning that should be going out as well. Um, we're looking at September 2nd, I believe, will be the official open open date for it, because that's the day they actually were in uh, Tokyo Harbor signing it uh, with the American fleet. So uh, we're looking forward to that and be 75 years. And we're pretty excited, because uh, in January and over December, we did 75th anniversary of Battle of the Bulge. Then before that, in June, we did 75th anniversary of D-Day. So this will sort of wrap up. And put a bookend on our World War II 75th anniversary exhibits oh. that we're putting on. Okay. And for those folks who can't get out here September 2nd, how long are y'all going to have this thing up for them to come check out? Hopefully a few months, at least at least till the end of the year. Um, just kind of depends on how the schedule goes, but uh, definitely at least till the end of the year. Oh, that'd be pretty well. So um, what kind of stuff y'all throwing out? Y'all throwing out just stuff from... Right at the end of the the war, there are y'all going to have I kind of know. a plethora of World War II stuff. Plethora, plethora. We're pulling out all the the cool stuff from the collections and the stuff that's never been on display in the museum before. So everything from you know aircraft engines and aircraft uh, parts and all the way to uniforms and um, some really cool stuff that has never been seen in the museum before. All the way to luggage. Yeah, hmm. luggage. We got some World War II related luggage. No Did you donate your luggage? Oh, thanks. I'm pretty sure you're older than me, so <laughs> 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 I'm sure they have your luggage yeah. down there. <laughs> so now, for people who may not know, I, they were upstairs in the museum. So downstairs looks like a move out of like a whole apartment complex on the bottom <laughs> floor. There's just just <laughs> everywhere right now, and, and I don't think people fully understand like. We go to the museum, there's the exhibit, you know, it's all nice, neat, you check it out, you read the text plates, you're like, that's cool, you know, whatever, interesting items, but I don't think people understand, like, what goes into actually getting an exhibit out. Y'all want to talk a little bit about, I mean, I know we can't talk everything about it because we don't have that kind of show, but, or link the show, but y'all can give us kind of a breakdown of some of the work that goes into getting this, this out and ready to go. A lot of frustration. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of internal frustration builds up, and then when it actually gets on display, most of it tends to go away. But um, honestly, time, I think, is the one thing that is most important, is understanding how much time you get. When we were coming into this process, I completely forgot about a month, and so I thought we were on a much tighter time crunch than we actually were. So <laughs> I had a nice little bit of relief there. But yeah, there's, um, you know, there's text panels. We have to research text panels, and you know, we, we know a decent amount about everything in our collection, we don't necessarily know the amount that we need to know to write an all-encompassing text panel. So we feel the general public can come in, learn what they we think they'd like to learn and nothing too much that they wouldn't like to learn, but they'd still be happy. And then we have to try to take all of this information that might fill up like a five-gallon bucket and then shrink it down into a pint 
that the average person's going to want to read. So, gotcha. And how do y'all decide? You know, y'all, y'all have obviously a fair amount of artifacts, especially from I guess World War II era. I mean, how do you decide, yeah, this is what we're going to put out, this is not what we're going to put out? I'd love to put out everything. But it's one of those things where, you know, if we decide, like, a topic, like John said, we've done Battle of the Bulge, D-Day, now we're doing VJ Day. It's one of those where we go through our collection, we kind of grab everything that would fit into exhibit for that, and then we kind of whittle it down to what do we have space for, um, what maybe ha- has, like, a South Carolina tie more than something else, um, and kind of have to just think about what would really go, go well with the exhibit, even if – we have everything that could go in there. We can't put everything in there. So it's one of those kind of, we, we talk amongst each other and see just how many artifacts we can put in there. <laughs> Do you guys ever butt heads on yes. where you want to place something, <laughs> how you want it to look? <laughs> it sounds I, like our office. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Less so in this one, because maybe Mr. Amy coming, to the, coming into this one, that I would get a little more design leeway, whereas in the past, I... You I so are we determining who... Out. Are we determining who actually runs the design then, more so? No, that's been determined. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's going according she, to plan. She says, no. <laughs> I, I compromised. I said, I have to have this in there, and I have to have this in there, and then if you, whatever you want... It's fine after that. But I, I had these, like, three stories that I had to have in there, and, and he, he was nice enough. To, All right, cool. Even though they're the best stories anyway, so. <laughs> so do you have an, a favorite artifact going into this? This I have a lot. But, but like John already mentioned, the luggage, um, it's um, it's kind of a cool piece. Uh, William Farrell was a Doolittle Raider. Um, he's from South Carolina, and he actually went to the University of, of South Carolina um, before he joined uh, the Army Air Force, and we have his suitcase that still has the USC stickers and everything on it. So um, that's going to be a really cool piece to show everyone. Yeah, especially for the hometown crowd mm-hmm. and and being right down the road from USC right. on top of it's that. It's got Carolina and Clemson stickers. Yeah, oh, cool. It's got both both sides covered, so you know, no one can really be that angry. Oh, that's right. Okay, <laughs> yeah. No state divided here over, exactly. over that. Um, so uh, why do you all do this? You know, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of a broad statement. But why do y'all do these rotating exhibits? You know, I mean, well, we have a responsibility to try to educate, you know, the local community around here because our institution's focus is public history, and that is to teach the public. You know, it's not our history; it's not artifacts; it's theirs, and we're just taking care of them for hopefully perpetuity. But um, you know, it's their history. We're trying to get them to learn and stay interested and be knowledgeable of. And we have permanent exhibits on display that do this all the time. However, we have so many things in our collection that don't necessarily fit into a current display. And rather than make a new display to put something out, we can have these temporary exhibits where we actually get to take some things and some ideas we wouldn't necessarily get to use elsewhere in the museum and really show off. And that way it's sort of like um, sort of like a, something of a different flavor to the rest of the museum people can come through and enjoy and also to keep them coming back when we can't necessarily update all of our standard dis- displays all the time, we can guarantee two or three times a year we're going to have a temporary exhibit up for them to come by and look at. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, any, uh, I mean, obviously this year's last several months, this past year selection <laughs> was pretty easy, right? Mm-hmm. Big anniversaries. But outside of that, kind of, what's the selection process to choose these you know, different events and stuff. Y'all have like a huge dartboard somewhere with a bunch of history dates and <laughs> y'all just in fun. there throwing and like simpler actually. <laughs> like we should. And landed on, you know, January 29th. Let's pick something that happened that day. <laughs> uh, typically we feel like we're behind the eight ball and sort of when events come up because like we're working on BJ Day now and on the radar we already know that the 30th anniversary for Desert Storm is right around the corner. And 
we have to do something for that, but we aren't done planning for this one. So it's always feeling like we're two steps behind of actually being getting to choose or sort of like it's becoming obviously aware which next one's going to be. And we aren't done with the first one yet. Mm-hmm. So it always feels like we're behind and we aren't really out front where we get to, the leeway to choose as freely as we want to. So it's sort of, you know, not that we don't want to and choose freely to do the ones we do, but it sort of becomes obvious. It's not really a decision process like, oh, we have to do this. So, Gotcha. Now, as far as, like, people that come through, I mean, do y'all get kind of a mix of everybody? Do y'all see a lot of retirees, military personnel, since a lot of the military history is actually the guards' history? I mean, y'all notice something? Is there a group maybe y'all would like to reach and, and be able to get more involvement with? I mean, actually, we've, we've seen an uptick in, in visitation since uh, this whole uh, COVID epidemic had a lot of kids coming in. And, and you know, that's really great to see is, is young kids interested in history. Um, there was one a, f- a few months ago that came in. He knew everything. He had been here multiple times. And it's, to see that excitement in the next generation is always great. And we'd love to, to see more of that. Now, you mentioned the, the, the COVID stuff and, and people listen to this and they'll, they'll want to come see the exhibit, but the museum has uh, precautions in place. Mm-hmm. Well, tell me some of the stuff that y'all have done because I noticed some markings and stuff on the floor a little bit yeah. different than the normal. And yeah, we, we do have some markings and a lot of signs up on the wall, a lot more signs on the walls than we used to have uh, saying, you know, keep your mask, you know. We, because we're in Richland County, I believe there's still the ordinance. You have to wear a mask and everything like that when you're in the museum. But also we try to have directional arrows to keep everything one direction. We had to change our hours due to actually our lack of um, volunteers due to this. So we're, we can't be open on the weekends anymore, but we are slightly open on later on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So, um, yeah, and we clean the museum once or twice a day um, before anyone gets here and keep every, all the doors are propped open. So we try to minimize contact anyone has to make with anything when they come through the museum to keep people's safety in mind and yeah. then y'all got a sanitation station all over the place, yeah yes. yeah all and, and unfortunately we did have to close down the gift shop because of kids grabbing hands and things like that and then putting stuff back on the shelves so our gift shop is currently closed too unfortunately so people who are coming out here to check out this um this exhibitor who hadn't been to the museum at all you don't have to come just check out this exhibit come check out everything the museum's actually uh, downtown at the uh, Bluff Road Armory Complex and behind that area. If you're not sure where the Bluff Road Armory Complex, we're near williams Bryce Stadium off of Bluff Road in that area. But just give folks kind of a, a quick overview of, of the museum and then where the rotating exhibits generally go uh, so that if they want to come up here and kind of have a, a little layout in their head of what they're about to get into, they'll kind of know. Well, right when you when you come in the gate, you'll see uh, a big old larked vehicle, and that kind of marks the spot. So we have some outside exhibits um, you can check out for after you, you enter the building, and then kind of serpentines uh, your way through Gallery 1, which is kind of like a timeline aspect. And then we've got some artillery pieces in the middle, and then uh, Gallery 2 opens up with, you know, the helicopters and uh, vehicles and kind of keeps that timeline going through um, Global War on Terror. And then right behind that is going to be the Phase 3, as we call it, and where our blockbuster exhibits are. Cool. And for people who haven't been to the museum outside of the special exhibits, the, the museum part, I've I've been through it multiple times, one working here, but two, I also shot a, a lengthy video covering most of the the exhibits at that current time. And there's actually a lot of really cool stuff in there. Y'all have a lot of unique items that other museums could only dream to have. And y'all have had... We are lucky to have that, yes. Yeah. We've actually had shows come down here and cover 
mm-hmm. some of our artifacts and things like that. I like, think we've had Mystery of the Museums, what, three or four times? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, come through here. And so. we actually just got a really awesome piece. Um, it's just now on display, so it's brand new um, to our viewers' eyes. It was a, a life vest um, that a down B-17 pilot, um, he'd been saved by a French family, and they kept it for all these years. And when uh, some of the crew members returned for a memorial service uh, dedication, they gave him his life vest back. And it made it all the way back to you know, the States. And to have it, you know, it's 100-year-old vest uh, or 75-year-old vest now on display from this down pilot is uh, really incredible. The family was here and, and um, just thanked us for, for sharing the story. So it's things like that that we get to share with our community about South Carolinians, which is why we do this. Yeah, that's awesome. It's all about the stories. It's all about the people, right? You got a favorite uh, artifact exhibit that you've seen down in the museum, Baker? I like all the vehicles in the. That's a good answer. The second is that the second gal? Yeah, the second yeah. Gallery. yeah, yeah. The helicopter is actually serial number one. One for the U.S. Army production helicopters. So my favorite. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to flex some of my knowledge of. of <laughs> give, it, give it a swing. Of, of 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 <laughs> so yeah, that 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 helicopter was found in a field in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing about it, I think the coolest thing about it is the bubble piece that's on it. Right. So as I understand, the bubble is actually new on the helicopter. Mm-hmm. The The company that made them back when they were being produced was a family-owned business. And somehow somebody at the museum was able to track down that family and they still had the press for the bubble, correct? And they pressed us a brand new bubble yep. for that helicopter. Yeah, that's right. They said they'll never do it again. So cross fingers, hopefully nothing ever happens to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all should uh, kind of keep an eye on that one. Well, yeah, we do we, not we try. touch. Yeah. <laughs> it's a do not touch which is a, it's a really cool piece um if you ever get the chance it, it's it's a very unique you don't expect to walk into a, a, a room through a room and yeah. there's a helicopter mm-hmm. yeah uh, between that and we have the uh the other helicopter thing we've got the the sea webbed mm-hmm. in the back which is what the crew emergency and weapons training simulator I believe. Mm-hmm. but uh that came from mcintyre and people see it and they just see oh it's like the front of an apache and all the switches and everything on there but what they don't see is that they were like two or three server racks that came with it actually housed the computers to oh, run yeah. to run the simulation because when you flip all the switches they go feed back to a computer and then feed back up to you so those aren't as exciting or sexy so we don't have those on display but we do have the cockpit on display yeah that one, so. <laughs> i still uh, i might have mentioned this a couple times on the show but i still think my uh, my favorite exhibits is the uh the trench art from world war ii it just blows my mind to think like what went into that for people who are not familiar with trench art hadn't seen trench art before like they would take casings mm-hmm. and engrave them and and not like kind of engrave them like they're actually like intricate detailed pieces and you just think man like it's rain there's mud there's stuff going off around you and you're you're on your relaxed time whatever that means in world war ii and you're, you're taking the time to punch out this casing into this piece of art or take a helmet and make a lamp out of it. Something that something that falls into that along the same line is one of Heather's favorite things, actually, and that's uh, the painting of uh, Aviation Jackets. Why don't you tell us about those, Heather? Because we have someone going on display. Yeah, we have uh, two that were owned by South Carolinians who served during World War II, and it wasn't really regulation for them to paint the back of the A2, you know, the bomber jackets you see, um, but they were like, you know, they're having fun. It's it's a morale boost. Let them do it. So that's one of the, the things that I love about um, my, one of my favorite artifacts anywhere is A2 jackets because it's always very unique. And it's um, usually got like how many bombs they've dropped or, 
you know, their favorite gal back home or something, uh, things like that. So it's always really cool to see the creativity behind A2s. And we're going to have two on display for the exhibit. You know, it's kind of an odd concept to think, think about art coming out of a situation like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not where you would... Well, it's it's definitely always been it's always been a part of morale. Even World War One, where it's you know the planes had them painted on. And I saw recently, I think F fifteen station somewhere actually they put some in theater. They're allowed to put nose art on the planes. Yeah. But right now you can't do it on a plane that has a stealthy coating. So there's actually a dwindling number of planes you're allowed to put nose art on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, which makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. Safety mission, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. How about you? We we covered kind of what our 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 favorite artifacts exhibits were. What you got? Um, it have to be the M28 Davy Crockett nuclear recoilless rifle. That's the little thing. Yeah, it's this is an artillery hole. It's about this long, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not very big. Off, shoots it shoots a. Yeah, they call it a a, a backpack nuclear bomb because it's a it's a small multi purpose nuclear bomb. If you didn't know there was such a thing, but yeah. this, this big, <laughs> and they used it in uh, the Swiss Army knife of nuclear weapons. Exactly, right. they used it in this as a projectile set on the end. They use it in depth charges, use it in torpedoes, use it as um, landmines, and they use it for just demolition devices. If you had to blow something up really big, you would use a small nuclear bomb. <laughs> they were never really used yeah, in I mean, theater, but yeah. they were um, they were deployed all over Germany to try to combat you know hordes of Russian tanks pouring through Germany. So uh, it, they're really interesting, especially when the the rifle itself, well, it's a smoothbore weapon, but the the weapon itself only has a range of. Three kilometers, I think. Yeah, it seems a little close for a nuclear blast going off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's small, but it's still deadly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you get that assignment? Listen, we're putting you on the nuclear weapon. You got to be three k away when it goes off. No. Yeah. yeah. If you were lucky, you had one that mounted on the jeep. You're right. If you were unlucky, you had one you to take off the jeep. <laughs> yeah, take off the jeep. But that's the kind of stuff. I mean, you know the. And for military folks, I'll say this is it's interesting to see the progression of the military, like you mentioned that, that that weapon device. But I mean, even if you if you haven't been up here, it's worth coming to see. I think a lot of us have learned our history. We know and we've seen the pictures of the muskets and Revolutionary War and, and this and that and so forth. But it's different when you see it like life size in front of you, like all the different uh, military uniforms that South Carolina. I'm going to mess this up. Whether it was militia or whatever that was here, the, the the light infantry folks and all that, and there's these, we complain about our uniforms. You come check out some of the stuff they used to have, uh, yep. and it gets wild and exotic real quick. One hundred percent wool all year round. <laughs> yeah, so. there was there's no summer weight uniform, yeah. but uh, um, so uh, September second. Yep, that's r- the plan. Run until at least. November, probably December. November, December. Being in the third building. That's right. You, you, uh, we say you can't miss it, but people still seem to just walk as far back as you yeah, can. Yeah, just keep, <laughs> just keep going until just you keep can't going until doors are locked. And like, yeah, yeah, keep going until you find a locked far. door, yeah. and then and then you, you've had to have gone through it. <laughs> you gonna check it out when it comes? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna have to walk through it to come no, to the no, office. I didn't say walk through it. I'm, but gonna, I'm gonna, gonna. We'll take a slow down and read it. We'll take an yeah. office field trip and we'll just go down and yeah, visit upstairs. it together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've gone through all this. All these. Now, something else I want to I want to um, make note of: the folks at the museum work extremely hard. When you come into the third building, you're going to see uh, a very interesting setup. Is looks rustic. Things ripped away. You can see beams. It's painted. There's track lighting everywhere. Um, 
these two folks did all that. I think they had a little bit of help with some people, but yeah, with well, the, the the experts where we needed them. Yeah, <laughs> but like all the grunt labor that went into it, all the painting and stuff like that was 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 these two guys here. So they they actually put a lot of effort into what you get to see because they care about the presentation and they want you to have a good time and they want you to enjoy it and then look forward to coming back for additional events on down the road. So that's the plan. And, you know, if we were lucky, we made a lot of noise for you guys upstairs as well. So. Oh, yes. Every day. Every day. <laughs> we work around that. We did our best. Yeah. Anytime. So we also learned that Tyvek suits are very hot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing an education through history, just in a different way. Exactly. So once again, thank you all for stopping by, talking with us. Uh, look forward to have you on. As, as more events and stuff come up and more exhibits and changes with the museum and whatever else y'all might have going on. Um, you want to send us on home there, Baker? Sure. Um, if you like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the bell so that you can get notified whenever we post new videos. And we will catch you in the next episode.